Welcome to Everyone a Changemaker, where we interview the world's leading social entrepreneurs on their journey towards creating social impact and systemic change. Tune in and discover innovative solutions for the most pressing challenges that we face today. Brought to you by Ashoka Innovators for the Public. Welcome to everyone at Changemaker. Today, I am super, super excited to have my good friend, Sanjay Kumar, all the way from Dorpur, Rajasthan. Sanjay is an Ashoka Fellow from this year, 2022, and is the founder of Pandri Foundation, a large NGO that works towards women's empowerment and social mobilization across Rajasthan and northern parts of India. Sanjay, welcome to the show. Why don't you give our audience a quick introduction about your background and the work that you're doing. Uh, thank you very much, David, for having me on this, this series. I'm equally super, super excited to be able to, to spend some time with you and share what I've been trying to do. I started my journey in this sector of development or social sector almost 20 years back. When I was just graduating from my engineering college, I got an opportunity to explore in the rural development sector. I was invited to Dorpur. So just explore if this is something that I would like to take up as my professional life. And when I came down here, I thought that one week would not be sufficient enough to actually know the nuances of what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So I spent one month, I spent three months and then one year, two years or three years. And then, you know, I never looked back that, okay, so this is the thing that I really wanted to do. And thanks for that uh, organization uh, that gave me an opportunity to explore my life, which is not corporate life, which is very different from the mainstream professional life. Here I was trying to use my skills, my education to work with my own community, to contribute back to my society so that my contribution is helping them to better their life conditions. So this is how things started. But at the back of my mind, because of my own family background and the kind of thing that I've going through while I was growing up. So if you have experienced certain things in your life, especially having belonged to a family which is not economically prosperous, you also try to see that if there is something that I can do, not only to improve the life of my own family, but also contribute back to society. And of course, yes. there was this dilemma that if you take up the, the corporate sector, that can definitely help you get a better life for yourself. But that is not going to give you the satisfaction of your life. The larger thing was to be able to find meaning in your life. So that's why I decided to do what I've been trying to do. Uh, devoting my, my professional life, my, my personal life, my career to, towards the community development. And it's, it's funny, but uh, we often joke about how many engineers go on and switch fields. And it would be funny to say, but they really change the world by once they leave the engineering field and go on to other aspects. If, if you could talk to us a little bit about your early days in, in Dolpur. I know at the time you were working with Pradhan, you started your journey. It's funny to say, but you were a man from Delhi working towards women empowerment in, in rural areas of Rajasthan. What was that like? How did your journey begin? And how did it lead you to almost 20 years later now, I'd say to where you are now? So uh, as I mentioned that you know, I was given this opportunity to explore first, right? Trying to see if you want to work with the corporate sector or you want to find a bigger meaning for your life. So so once I was here, and of course your technical background gives you some kind of biases. You yep. tend to see everything in a technical manner. So when I, I came down here, I, I could see only the water harvesting, rainwater, you know, irrigation, 
this dam, this structure or that thing. Of course, that was needed. But that also gave me an opportunity to understand myself that there is life beyond technical assistance. There, the community development itself is, is not a straightforward thing. Yeah. There are so many puzzles around you and you need to, you know, fix up those puzzles in a manner that it gives you some insights. I was lacking that thing in the first three, four years of my engagement with the community. So I kept doing the things in a very technical manner. And of course, I was exposed to the challenges that the most disadvantaged section of society was facing. That was women. When I say this, you just need to imagine this scenario that I was working in Dorpur, which is the remotest part of Rajasthan. And Rajasthan itself has been known for its conservative nature in the society. And patriarchal thing in, in the society was prevalent and it's still prevalent. That shakes you from within yourself that even if you want to contribute to the society, those should be at the center of your interventions so that the effect that you are trying to create has a generational impact. So that's how women thing into, came into picture and we thought that technical assistance is needed, but at the same time, these women need to be mobilized into some institutions so that these women can feel comfortable coming out from their closet and then exercise their choices. So that took us time to convince these women to come out from their houses. And I was, I'm talking about the women who were not supposed to give it outside their homes to even fetch drinking water. So that's the kind of restriction that these women have in terms of mobility, in terms of access to market, in terms of access to resources in terms of access to health services or basic services. So there, those, those were the challenges that, you know, kept on coming and then I was not able to actually make meaning out of it. So in the meanwhile, I thought that, of course, I have this lack of understanding. How can I enhance my understanding as well as skills to move ahead in a more meaningful way? And that's where I decided I chose for that master's program in, in economics. This is how things went up and I applied for that Fort Foundation Fellowship program and just like the way Ashoka appreciated the contribution that we have been trying to do. Fort Foundation also appreciated the contribution I was making at that time and said, okay, you chose the, the course, you chose the place that you want to go for. And then I went to the Boston went to play master's in economics. And that was also like, you know, uh, let me just finish in uh, 30 yeah. seconds or so. So that was also uh, a phase of life wherein you were deciding to upgrade your skills so that you can improve your output or impact in the society. So it was like uh, from Delhi to, to Dorpur to Boston too. So yeah. it, was, it was already within myself that I was going there as a temporary phase of my life. But the larger picture was, was remaining. That was to continue doing in a better way, in more efficient way with the community, uh, community of Dorpur. That's quite incredible. And I remember you mentioning many times that, that your two years in Boston and your time at the Ford Fellowship really began to transform things and the way you looked at social impact and systems change. Obviously, I would say that that was a life-changing experience for me as well. Not only in terms of opening up my you know, wisdom, opening up the way I, I was looking at the issues. I understood that it was not technical assistance which is which is needed. It was right. much more than that. I keep mentioning that there, the society itself has so many puzzles. You need to be able to fix up those puzzles to understand what exactly needs to be fixed. Not in terms of the puzzle, but in terms of the issues that the community is facing, in terms of the problems that the community is facing. Now, we often say this, every Ashoka fellow has a problem that they've noticed and a new idea on how to solve those problems, not just at a surface level, but at a root level or what we often call systems change. Can you talk to us a little bit about the transformation that you are working towards uh, 
the change that you want to see in the world. If you could tell us a little bit about your self-help group model and how it leads to women's empowerment and women leadership at a large scale. So the idea is to create an ecosystem for the women so that their leadership can come out. Their hidden potential can be unleashed. In terms of everything I'm talking about, it, whether it's the economic empowerment, political empowerment, you know, social empowerment, what we are trying to see is that can we create an ecosystem of institutions within a geography and those institutions become the vehicles of change for these women leaderships, right? And then these leaders in the village itself become the change agents. So the model for us is that we are investing into the institutions, women institutions and the women leadership. And when I say this, it's not Sanjay who is replicating this idea or who is taking this idea forward. It is women in one place to women to other place to women to another state to women to another country. So the primary intervention starts from one village, which is having, say, 100 households. And these 100 households, not everyone may, may want to join your program, right? If a process would be conducted and they would be invited who would like to participate in this self-help. So 10 to 15 women will be mobilized into one group and one village will be saturated to form around 10 to 15 groups. So in that way, uh, primary institutions are formed, nurtured and trained for financial management, for livelihood interventions, for mutual health, for all those things. So these are the interventions I'm talking about. Again, the interesting part is these institutions are also formed by women leaders. A group of women leaders who have undergone certain changes in their lives become the leaders and they go to a different village or of course our invitation okay we want to work in this village why don't we exchange we spend some time over there and then try to convince other fellow women so these women leaders three to five women leaders would be spending 15 days in one village trying to share their stories and if the women get convinced then they will be forming the groups they will be training them for leadership qualities communication financial management what is the importance of having this platform or second tier platform or 38 platforms? So this kind of intervention uh, keeps happening for the next three years until we have a mass of say four to five thousand women in one institution in a in a saturated manner. Now then, if, if we have been able to mobilize this, you can call it either federation or or the cooperative or a producer group or a producer company. Doesn't matter by what name you want to call them. But these institutions are going to be there for next. 15 years or 20 years or 25 years. And the women who are running these institutions, primary level at SHGs, you have three leaders. Then secondary, you again have three leaders. And then at the federation level, you have executive committee having 10 to 15 leaders. And all these leaders also keep rotating after every three years. These institutions are sending out leaders year after year, year after year. And then they become the part of the whole ecosystem to bring in positive changes within their families, within the immediate society and also extending themselves to other locations. Yeah, and one of the things I really like about your work is that you don't just empower women, but you also enable them. And what I mean by that is that within the SHGs, there's training, there's personal development, but then also there are some very real aspects that every single person needs, like access to finance, access to work, access to livelihoods where you don't just get paid a minimum wage, but you can grow. 
and you can begin to add value beyond that. And one of the things that I loved when I, when I saw your work was that along with the leadership development, there was this real access to markets that you were building up. Could you talk a little bit about building credit unions, building industries and manufacturing hubs and how it's leading to what I would say is almost a transformation in supply chains across many of these rural areas? So Again, everything that we have been trying to do has to be seen through the lens of enabling the women. Right. Empowerment is not something that I have in my backpack and then say, go to the village and say, oh, you are empowered, you are empowered. It's the investment in the processes and these processes are helping them build their confidence. So when I say they are managing their finances, right? So they are trained for managing the finances, keeping the book uh, records and then going to the banks, talking to the managers. So these are all helping them improve their mobility, improve their confidence, improve their negotiating skills, which is going to help them. In, in different aspects of their lives. So the access to finances is, is, of course, is very, very important in the sense that we have realized over the years that if women are contributing back to their families economically and bringing some income in the family, their say within the family and their status within the family and society gets enhanced. You are giving a thousand rupees or two thousand rupees or five thousand rupees within your family income, contributing to your family income. Your status obviously gets changed, right? So this we have experienced. So accordingly, we have tried to convince these women to save some money, right? And also access the, the mainstream financial institutions like banks. So for example, if I talk about one institution having four to 5,000 members, they are dealing with more than six crores of rupees, which is actually helping and they are doing it by themselves, right? We have helped them set up some systems in place, but now they're managing themselves. So who to give loans, how to get the, that back, how to maintain their records, when to get audited, which auditor to get contact, or how much taxes they're supposed to pay, how to talk to the banks. All these processes are helping them. Similarly, how they are using their finances. They are using their finances to, to fund the inputs for the agriculture. So for example, if these new farmers are to say mustard oil, so they, they would need some money to get to buy fertilizer, to buy seeds for harvesting, for transportation. So they get loans from, from their institutions and these farmers only are helped for improving their productions, but they also have producer groups. So they procure mustard. I'm just citing one example. They get more production. They, they have aggregation centers, which are again managed by the women. And then they have their own warehousing. Then they have their processing units. Then they have their branding unit. Then they have their marketing thing. So in the complete node of value chain, starting from production to procurement to, you know, value addition in the transforming uh, seeds to edible oil, right? And then packing them and then selling it in, in the market. So that's how many of the particles that we are working in, we have tried to involve, give ownership to the women. They are the stakeholders as a farmer. They are the stakeholders as producers. They are the stakeholders as market players. This is how we, we have been trying to do. Enhanced income from selling the product produce and then also getting benefits by selling the finished goods in the market. So the complete cycle is there. It's quite incredible. And I remember you telling me that you now sell it online where yeah. there's a full supply network for it. And there's paneer, there's pickles, there's all sorts of dairy products, key clothes that are all now being sold online directly by these women producer groups that have now collectivized into a larger network where they sell online. Can you tell us a little bit about how you set that up? So where are the material available as of now? I mean, the material is available through WhatsApp throughout, uh, and you can get it supplied throughout anywhere in the country. 
through Amazon, through Flipkart, through Misho, through their own website that is katori.co.in and through GeoGuard. Of course, there are malls in Delhi, NCR. They have their shop-in-shop model where they are keeping your stuff and then send to their customers directly. How this has happened? So what we have done in last three, four years is that apart from creating the producer units, production units, we have also formed an institution of institution, which is Katori Private India Limited, owned by the women, right? And uh, all the food items are sold under that umbrella brand. So you would say that mustard value chain, dairy value chain, honey value chain, these are from Dolpur, and then pickle from Ajmer, pulses from Bilwara, spices from Chittagarh, and, you know, garlic uh, ginger paste from Bara. So as per the requirement of those the geographical areas, what are the opportunities that exist and how farmers can get more benefits out of it? So that's how we, we have done. I mean, we, we are not imposing anything new to be started on the, in those places. What we are trying to see is that if some improved packaging practices can be used to improve the production and then some collectivization can happen. So this is how we have tried to do. Similarly, for artisans, and for women who are interested to utilize their other kind of skills, artisanal skills. So they are into textile, they are into apparel, they are into handicrafts. So for that vertical, we have formed this via retail company, which is into textile only. We also have got production units in Torgar, Rasaman, and, and then women are selling those produce online through WhatsApp. I know that as of today, give or take, there are about 100,000 women within these self-help groups and cooperatives. Yeah. And I, I know within the next five years, the plan is to go to, I think, 700,000. Yeah. Fingers crossed, it will be much faster. Yeah. And th that's quite incredible. And often when we think about social impact, especially from the organizational point of view, we like to look at the numbers. We like to look at the growth, the, the scale. And those are some of the hot topics. But what does it look like, say, for someone on the ground, for the Manjuri team at a grassroots level, for the women that meet every week in cooperatives together? Let's talk about some of the impact on the ground, what are some of the transformations that you see happening? Stories of lives being changed beyond all the numbers and the scale and the size and the magnitude. What, what is the Heart of Manjuri Foundation about when, it, when we talk about the woman at the village? It's a difficult question to answer from, for the simple reason that if you have two kids, which kid is better than the other kid? So all these 100,000 women members for us are all our sisters. But of course, uh, there are certain some women who are exemplary in their you know, uh, leadership, and they are setting up examples for others to follow. For example, you know, there is this lady, Raki, I can call that name as well. She is from uh, one village called uh, Basai Nawab in Dolpo. She is an SRG member, has been there for last four years or so. She has struggled a lot for the simple reason that they didn't have the permanent source of income within their family. They are six or seven members in their family. When she became part of this SRG thing, she took uh, 30,000 rupees loan to start a small general store. Right from thirty thousand, and then the next one was seventy thousand rupees. She set up, you know, dona leaf plates, rather leaf plates, right, which are environmental friendly and you know being used in feasts. But she set up that machine at her place. As of now, she has been working on that machine, but also she has had twelve more women to set up that machine. She is procuring the raw material, distributing that raw material to these women getting the, the finished goods at her place and then selling the finished goods in, in the market of Jaipur. Every week, she is selling more than 150,000 rupees leaf plates in the market. Wow, every, every week. Every week. That's like 600,000 a month. Yes. 
she has created not only jobs not only for our immediate family members but also around 34 people so there are such kind of different women from chitwagar there 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 are women from chawar there are women from you know bara there are women from bilwara there then there are women who was below poverty line and as of now she is earning more than 500000 rupees 600000 rupees in a year not in a month but in a year by setting up goat based business and right. right so if you recall those places that the interiors of you know chamba river she started keeping goats five goats and now she has more than 150 goats so her son who would go and work in chennai as a laborer now he's 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 staying back helping her mother and father for expanding that business and then there's this sweep of women again gopalpura is a village our name is baby she is also an sg member she is a leader for her federation and she is also a goalkeeper and beyond that her recognition is that she has visited almost all the districts within rajasthan to replicate this model and not only here but also to africa from having a bpl card to pen card to a passport so that's the the journey she has taken that gives a different kind of message you know, that gives gives a different kind of confidence to the women that yes we can do it so if we are able to change that mindset from you know nothing can be done to that yes i can so that's the the whole journey of enabling for for us empowerment for us i guess as we close one of the things that i really see that you've made a mark on is this area of sustainable development and community led approaches so many times when when we talk about especially within the social sector wanting to make sustainable development or to create an impact that lasts beyond the the duration of that organization and that project there's so many topics around it and there's so many perspectives but when i saw your work in dolpur rajasthan and saw how the community is expanding within its leadership model is expanding in terms of the economy that's that's local it's expanding in terms of the potential that's available can you talk on this topic of sustainable development in a community led approach in from the perspective of anjay foundation and all that you do yeah. so although sustainability is a very big term for anyone to to understand or to make sense or out of it it has to be broken down into different pieces aligned with the time frames they two year five years 10 years or 3 years to the years accordingly it has to be seen so as i keep on mentioning two things one is triggering the change and also creating those institutions so if you are triggering some women to start their journeys external interventions are needed from time to time of course to support them in terms of technical assistance enhancing some knowledge or, or that thing but the things that we have started is not going to stop until this political change or something of that still happens the second thing related to sustainability is that as long as we are tracking the processes owned by the women local women and building their capacities in terms of whose institutions are these who owns these institutions who make the decisions right and of course financial sustainability is, is very much an integral part of it but the primary thing is whose institutions are these and who makes the decision if we are to orient ourselves or align ourselves with that idea or with that concept things are going to be very different so wherever we go we we say that we are not implementing one project so if we are implementing a project this project or that project you did certain things when the project ended everything has ended but if your approach is that the project is one of the things which is going to help you to reach your mission or vision 
then it's a different story. Financial management again is, is, is from the point of view that the production units, the market assistance, all these have been formed and it, it will sustain only if you are producing good quality products which are sellable in the market. So if you are not producing something, you know, required in the market or has no demand, of course, it's not going to sustain. The third thing is the community has to pay for the services it gets. So for example, in, in our case, the institutions that we are creating, financial management is being done by, by the women themselves. But that woman is going to write the book of accounts if she's not paid. Right. And why should she be paid? Because it's your work. She's doing your work. And if your work, you are supposed to pay. So that's, that's how the financial sustainability is being practiced. And of course, I'm not saying that all the institutions that we have created are, are, are at the same stage. Some are super stable as of now. Some are at the nascent stage. Some are in the mid phase of their life. So accordingly, interventions have to be designed. I see sustainability in these three terms only. And of course, if you talk about in terms of philosophy, financial sustainability, social acceptance, and environmental sustainability. We also orient our debate to, to go for this environmental friendly things like rainwater harvesting. I was trained as, a, as an engineer for rainwater harvesting. So wherever we get opportunity, I would like to see more structures, see more water. That also helps them sustain their livelihood-based activities if they can invest back into creating those assets. Well, that's amazing. And thank you for coming on today to share your journey with us, all that the Mantri Foundation is doing and how across the state of Rajasthan, many, many other states in North India, you're leading to women's leadership and empowerment. Thank you, Sanjay. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving an opportunity to share my things. This journey keeps on going. We keep on having on new avenues of development. Two things that I wanted to share. One is that one of our foundation in, in Dolpur has started online marketplace for the goods. It's called Gram Heart. It's very similar to OLX, wherein you take the photograph of your vehicle, upload it, and the customers are interested to sell or buy, contact you. Similarly, we, the, the foundation that we are working with is being had for helping them sell their goods, animals online. That's something that has happened in last one and a half months. And in next one and a half months, we are going to launch Another app, which is Sakti, is like uh, power. The right pronunciation is Shakti, but in locally it's called Sakti. So it can be done as powerful or IK, right? That app is for women entrepreneurs, wherein they can say anything that they want to say. They upload their uh, stuff and especially focusing on beautiful people. So that is also going to be a new initiative for the students. So it's kind of like an online marketplace where people yes. can come and... Yes, it's more of app-based, not the online thing, but app-based. Okay. How do the exchange of goods happen, like in terms of deliveries and all of that? Delivery partners are there. Delivery is there. Issue rocket is there. They will be onboarded. The way they are doing it for the products, now they are going to do it for all the women. They could be selling, say, candle. They could be selling, say, incense kind of yeah. thing. Anything that they are into. They will be helped. And technology along with credit, what role would you say technology plays in expanding in terms of access and opportunity? Or how, how do you leverage technology on the ground, especially in, in remote areas across the country to, to create access and opportunity in these areas? Much faster way of, you know, expanding your things. Much faster way of reaching out to the customers for the for the people who could never have imagined that their produce, whatever they are producing in say Bharatpur, Dolpur, Karoli can go, go all the way to Palikal or it's, it's happening. At the same time, technology is also helping them improve their efficiencies. They, they have their dedicated software for managing their finances. 
So it improves their transparency, it improves their efficiency, it gives them real-time data information and help them make decisions faster, much quicker, right? So technology is definitely helping them. There is no, no doubt about it. We should not assume this, that if we are not doing it, they are not going to be exposed to it. They are already on, on Facebook. They are already on different kind of social platforms. Now, the point is, if we are able to utilize their presence in a constructive manner, it could bring in more economic prosperity to, to the individual families. I'm very much hopeful and we are very much up for it. That technology and development part has to be wedded together to be faster, to scale it up to a very different level. For example, you know, I just cited a ground hard thing. Of course, we are sitting in third pole, but if everything goes right, we are able to mobilize certain funds. It could be downloaded by say 1 million people, 2 million people or 100 million people. So I stop it, right? So it's the only thing is that it should be easy to use. It should have the application for the farmers. That's it. That's it. And we are hopeful that by this time, we will have something very interesting to share in terms of scaling up the, the interventions. It's quite incredible. And I love how technology is being used to not only improve access, but it's make it more and more widespread. Potentially, yeah. that might be one of the keys for then expanding your plan over the next five years to 700,000. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for being patient enough to, to listen to us. It's always still good factor whenever we talk to each other. Thank you so much, Sanjay. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this episode inspired you on your change maker journey. Together, we are creating a world where everyone can be a change maker.